My name is Ed Peters, and on behalf of Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to another broadcast of What's New. We continue today in Acts chapter 16, moving on to verses 11 through 14. On our previous study, we saw the Spirit of God directing Paul and his companions, which now included Dr. Luke, to leave Asia and cross over to Europe with the good news of the gospel. Now, beginning with verse 11, Luke describes for us the journey from Troas to the city of Philippi and what they found when they reached this Roman colony. Here now are verses 11 through 14, and here's what Luke writes. We went aboard a ship at Troas and sailed straight across to Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis and finally reached Philippi a Roman colony just inside the Macedonian border and stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a river bank where we understood that some people met for prayer. And we taught the scripture to some women who came. One of them was Lydia, a saleswoman from Thyatira, a merchant of purple cloth. She was already a worshiper of God and as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted all that Paul was saying. Lord, I just came to thank you
The city of Philippi was located in eastern Macedonia and was named after Philip II, father of Alexander the Great. Since it was a Roman colony, it was independent of provincial administration and had a governmental organization modeled after that of Rome. Many retired legionnaires from the Roman army settled there, but very few Jews. In fact, there were so few Jews in Philippi that there was no synagogue. So the Jews who were there met for prayer along the banks of the Gangites River. It was customary for such places of prayer to be located outdoor near running water. This then is the place where the gospel had its beginning on the continent of Europe. Now here to bring us our study for today is Pastor Henry Harder. Man's plans aren't always God's. Paul had his own agenda, but God had other plans. Evidently, Paul wanted to get to that great metropolis called Ephesus on the Aegean Sea. Someone called that Ephesus the city from which the east looked out upon the west. That city must have been attracted to Paul as a fruitful place to plant the gospel. But God had other plans. In a vision, Paul was called from Troas to cross the northern Aegean. So the party of four set sail. Paul's party now included himself, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. From Troas, they sailed north and west and landed on an island in the northeast Aegean Sea called Samothraken, or Samothrace. This island is located directly south of the Hebrus River. It is extremely mountainous. Its tallest peak is Mount Fangari, some 5,577 feet high. Due to the difficulties of sailing at night, Samothrace became a favorite place for ships to anchor. The island was most famous for its religious cults. The cult of Kabiri, with its mother goddess Sibylle, flourished there. This island is perhaps most famous for the discovery of the winged victory statue discovered there in 1863. It is now in the Louvre in France. It was erected on the island in the 4th century. No doubt Paul saw this statue when he visited there. It's a splendid monument of Greek art and religion. I wonder what went through Paul's mind when he saw this statue. Here he was bringing the gospel to Europe. And the first thing he sees in Europe is this monument to pagan religion. Perhaps it gave him an idea of what he was about to face. I'm sure he saw it as a challenge which the gospel could meet. I doubt if it discouraged Paul in the least. The party continued on west and north to Neapolis on the north shore of the Aegean Sea, on the mainland of Macedonia, now Greek. They had crossed 175 miles of ocean through the straits. Evidently, it took them only a few days. The present-day town is called Kavala. Here, Paul and party landed with the gospel of Jesus Christ on the mainland of Europe. That was a historic landing. From this point, it was an easy 10 miles inland to the city of Philippi. They must have taken the famous Ignatian Way, which ended at Neapolis. I have been impressed with the Roman system of roads in those times. A few days ago, I spoke about the Via Sebasti, the Sebastian Way in Asia Minor. 
a road that led from Ephesus east all the way to Syrian Antioch and finally connected with the cities on the Euphrates. From Ephesus, the traveler would take a ship north across the Aegean to Neapolis, where he could pick up the Ignatian Way, which led up to Philippi. From there, it crossed Macedonia all the way west to the Adriatic. The traveler would again take a ship to Italy and pick up the Appian Way into Rome. So Paul and party made their way along the Ignatian Road to Philippi, just 10 miles north of its seaport, Neapolis. This would be their first prolonged stop in Europe. How would the gospel fare? Philippi had a remarkable history. It got its name from Philip II of Macedon, who was Alexander's father. In fact, Alexander himself used Philippi as a military base for his remarkable and swift conquests. He started there in 334 B.C. on his phenomenal career. The plains just below Philippi are most famous for the battle that took place there between the murderers of Julius Caesar and his avengers. That is, between Brutus Cassius on the one hand and Octavian, who later became Caesar Augustus, and Mark Antony on the other. The year was 42 B.C. Augustus forces won, and as a result, Philippi was regarded as a miniature of Rome itself. As such, it became a center of power and influence. Perhaps this is why Paul chose this city to begin the penetration of Europe with the gospel. The account of Paul's visit to Philippi is in Acts 16, 11 to 40. On the Sabbath, Paul went outside the city to the river bank. Evidently, the Jewish colony in Philippi was small since it required only ten male Jews to have a synagogue, and there was none. But the visitors discovered that a small group of women, perhaps Jews and Gentiles, met for prayer on the shores of the Jangites River about a mile west of town. This offered privacy for worship and the possibility of ceremonial purification. They met for the reading of the law and prayer, and to hear an exposition of a Bible passage should a visiting qualified Jew happen to come through the city. Here Paul met a God-fearer named Lydia, a convert to Judaism, from the city of Thyatira, not too far northeast of Ephesus in Asia Minor. Thyatira, before Rome reorganized the area, was once located in the area called Lydia, hence the name of this woman. She was a Lydian woman, or Lydia. She listened as Paul explained the gospel. Then Luke writes that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. That is a most significant phrase on which I conclude this program today. It was the Lord who opened her heart. Without that, this woman could not have become the first convert on Paul's mission to Europe. It must be the Lord who works in the heart. No amount of argument or persuasion will convince the person unless the Holy Spirit does his work in that life. This is the reason why sometimes the most likely don't respond to the gospel and the least likely do. The sovereign work of God opens hearts to respond to the gospel. Without that sovereign work, no one will respond to the gospel because no one can. Being totally depraved, there is nothing within a person to which the gospel can appeal and by which a person can respond. It has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Paul's job was to present the gospel. The Holy Spirit's job was to give Lydia the ability to respond. While she didn't have the capability on her own to respond, she did have the capability to refuse, but she didn't. And this businesswoman's heart was changed. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay. a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Shafter, California, 93263, USA.